Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Yeah, so welcome to Inside LA Long Beach Sunday Sit. So I thought we'd talk today about <clears throat> shamatha practice, so concentration practice. How many people would like to concentrate better? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. yeah. Got it dialed in. <clears throat> <clears throat> like to reiterate like when whenever um, so when I mention the people that I teach meditation they usually say I can't meditate and really what they're saying is I can't concentrate right so it's important to realize and just to always remember that that concentration is just an aspect of the practice right so concentration is what holds the mind down on the object and then mindfulness is what's always watching. Did I leave the object? Or am I on the object? So mindfulness is the aspect of mind that brings the mind back. When we're down the river of thought, concentration takes back over, holds the mind back down. Meditation is all of that. Meditation is on the object for a very little amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> and then getting lost then waking up that you're lost bringing the mind back holding it back down right That's all, it's all of it all of that it's just like going and shooting hoops like if you're practicing shooting baskets how many basketball players in here? <laughs> Anything that you're practicing, right? What's that? Zero. Zero. I know. This looks like a whole bunch of ballers up in here. But you've seen it. You see. Yes. This analogy will still work. If you're if you're practicing shooting baskets, you just don't count the ones that go in, right? As practice, it's all practice. So there's no such thing as quote-unquote bad meditations, right? Because when the mind wanders and you bring the mind back, you're practicing. You're practicing catching the mind when it wanders and coming back. So I thought I'd go through a step-by-step -step process of concentration. So I thought, I'm just going to do a few steps, make it really simple. <laughs> So it's like 11 steps. <laughs> uh, it's only six steps, but the, the sixth step actually has six more steps. <laughs> but it's actually not that difficult um, as far as... Because what I want to do is to, to put, put it in a format where we could feel like we're training in this. Because it's really just a skill. Concentration is a skill. Just like if you're an athlete and you, you recognize how to do things in a particular way, I think you'd feel yourself getting better, right? And I'm going to, don't worry about this as I go through the list. I'm going to send it out on the, on the newsletter um, and on our Facebook page. So I'll write a little blog or something about it, right? So you could have that. I'm actually going to go through this, but let me just set it up a little bit because... 
the word concentration, um, it has a it has a quality like that word for us has a quality that's kind of intense, you know, concentration. So we call it shamatha in Tibetan, in Sanskrit, or maybe that's a Sanskrit one. In Pali, they say samatha. Is that correct, Margaret? Say it again. Samatha. Yes. Like without the H. Yeah, yeah. And then, but I actually like the Tibetan the best. In Tibetan, it's shine, shine, which means calm, she, ne, abiding, calm, abiding. This is my favorite. Mm. Now, that doesn't seem too intense, mm. right? Shine, calm, abiding. It actually seems quite nice. They also call this tranquility practice even nicer. <laughs> so we have this concentration, and then we have shine, calm, abiding. And what this points to is actually the quality of mind. Like, if we come in to the practice and it's too intense, this is a good way to get tired, right? So the mind gets tired, it gets fatigued, and also doesn't really like it. It's not that fun, right? So we want to use relaxed effort. So I just want to put this out there in the beginning that we're, we're, we're going through this process of, of relaxed effort because actually when we get to the end, we notice that this is actually a natural state of being, not getting lost is actually a natural state of being because it takes effort to go out and grab those thoughts, right? So we also call this like resting in, resting in our true nature or resting in mind. So it could actually be this, this sense of resting here, right? So the, the first stage of a concentration practice is actually getting to the cushion. So we want to practice, um, you know, this three aspect of study, contemplation, and practice. This is like the, the three major aspects of the, of the path, study, contemplation, and practice, right? So like we're studying here, yeah? You might be reading a book or something like this, and then when you leave here, you're going to what? You're going to maybe contemplate what, what we talked about, hopefully. <laughs> Just walk out of the room like, that's it. Uh, nothing landed for me, that whole thought. Um, so there's contemplation, and there's actual, and then there's practice. So the first step, which is actually fairly difficult, is sometimes getting to the cushion, right? Just getting to the practice. Is this hard for anybody? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's why we're all here, you know? We're here for support. You know, so those things, the study, contemplation, practice, it's actually quite broad. You know, we could bring in uh, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, you know, so uh, contemplating like our own Buddha nature, uh, the Dharma, the teachings, and then the Sangha, which is our spiritual community. And we all have all those three things are abiding within us, right? So we have the external aspects of the Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, and the internal aspects, our own Buddha nature, the Dharma is within us, and we're our own Sangha, our own inner environment, right? So this is step number one. I'll check my time as I go through these. It goes so fast. The second piece is our motivation aspect. And so why are we doing this? Why are we, why are we meditating in general? Anybody? Relieve suffering. Relieve suffering. To be present. To be present. Calm mind. Calm mind. Mm-hmm. Well, compassion and wisdom. 
develop compassion and wisdom. So when we're moving through our own intentions for practice, it's really nice to kind of, so under the umbrella, so we could say the big broad umbrella would be like to relieve suffering. Yeah, so sustainable and reliable contentment. But within that, we might be having some very specific sufferings that we would like to overthrow. So it is really nice to pinpoint those for your own motivation. Because if we don't have that, then we're probably not going to get to the cushion, right? And this is why it's, it's actually quite interesting that when we're having good samsara, it's hard to practice. So good samsara is dangerous for practice. <laughs> when life is going well and everything is good, then sometimes our practice goes, goes down. But when we're suffering, like when I'm suffering, I'm really good. Good practitioner, right? I'm suffering. Because I know, oh, you know, I, I know that I could find some relief within. I, could, I should practice. Now, of course, the key is to practice when what? No matter good what. Or bad. Yeah. No matter what. Mm-hmm. And when what? Good or bad. Good or bad. <clears throat> and especially when things are good. Yeah, because then your mind will be more stable. Practice any time, but the more stability. Because if we try to overthrow some, some strong emotions and strong thoughts, it's going to be more difficult, correct? Yeah, so we, we want to look at this in training. You're not going to start a marathon by running 26 miles, right? You just train just a little bit at a time. So we break down these, we call them defilements, yeah? So we're, we're meditating to overthrow the defilements. And these are the ways we suffer, right? Attachment aversion and what's the last one anger what do you say ignorance and indifference ignorance yeah <clears throat> so attachment aversion and ignorance so this craving mind attachment aversion ill will and the big one is ignorance is that we just don't see things as they are as they are so this is not academic ignorance this is that we don't see things clearly as they are right so we could pay attention to these when we're suffering to say, look at my attachment, my aversion, or my ability, inability to see things or be, be with things as they are, right? So that's what we're looking to, to overcome. All right. Already step three. Mm-hmm. So step three is, is the heart, the heart practices. So... Buddhism is 90% psychology, but here's the 10% that's not. <laughs> I'm just going to put this in here. If it works for you, cool. If not, that's okay. But it's really important that, and I, I like to say this, many of you have heard me say this many, many, many times, and Buddhist, Buddhism is not the only practice, the only lineage that does this, but Buddhism has been turning out enlightened beings like an assembly line for thousands of years. Yeah. So keeping with that tradition, devotion, devotions of really, and, and prayer to the saints and sages that have come before them. And you could say, and pray to the saints and sages of all times and all religions, if that works for you. This is good. Yeah. They've been praying that these saints and sages can help purify the obscurations 
that stand between our, our minds now and the realization of our true nature. And so like the Lamas will say that all the Bodhisattvas, all these saints and sages love us all equally. You don't need to pray to them for, the, for them to love you or anything like this. But prayer and devotion is like a hook, right? It's kind of like they're putting their arms out and we can grab it. You know, and it helps with that purification process. So if you think that, you know, as souls go, there's only some of us on the planet at a time. But when we pass away, and there might be many, many <laughs> saints and sages in the etheric realm, and they might be willing to help out. Yeah? So this prayer and devotion could help, if you're into this sort of thing, <laughs> could help ease the mind, right? So we have other beings on our side, right? So in this tradition, they will pray to the whole lineage and they have a whole lineage tree and they pray to that lineage for these obscurations to be, to be minimized, right, during meditation. Now, even if that's not the case, the loving kindness and open heart practices, it will calm down the mind. So I always start every meditation personally with some kind of heart opening practice. It could be devotion practice, it could be loving kindness practice, it could be compassion practice, because you'll see that it just softens the mind. Right? No matter if you're agitated or you're dull, it'll brighten the mind if it's dull, it'll calm the mind down when it's, it's agitated. Yeah. So you could take it on either level you want, a mundane level, just want to calm the mind, if you want to bring in some kind of a spiritual, religious aspect, then you can. Alright, the fourth step. Is the body. So, posture. What are the three aspects, what are the three main aspects of a proper posture? There's five major ones, but... Your spine is straight. Your spine is straight. You're and right. Yes. You can support your Your body. spine is straight. You want to be held up by your skeleton. Yeah. So this is very important. So we're talking about concentration. So how many people are pulled away from their body aching during meditation? Yeah, all of us at some point, right? Yeah, so posture is really important. You do not need to sit on the ground, right? You do not need to sit on the ground. But having your, your spine straight... You're able to be held up by your skeleton. Now, what's the easiest way, or really the only way to have a, spate, uh, a straight spine? Knees contacting the lotus or half lotus. The knees frequently. Would start with this one. What did you say? Hips higher than the knees. Hips above the knees. Hips above the knees. Hips above the knees. Hips above. You just say it like over and over again. It's. It's a little frustrating to look at at a retreat or something, or yeah, people trying to sit for a long period of time, and and maybe the instructors haven't mentioned hips above the knees because if you're sitting, if your hips are not above the knees, you're like in a V, and then you have to, you know, being held up by your abdomen, right? So we absolutely need the hips above your knees. If your hips are above the knees, if you look at Margaret, her hips are above her knees, yeah. So now, if your hips are above your knees, your spine can move back and forth. Now you could balance, right? So now you could be at ease. If not, 
you're squished. You know, so like me, like this chair is not good because it has arms on it. That's another thing, right? So like I'm in a V, right? So hips above your knees. Now, this can be done in a chair too. So like John, if you don't mind, so John's hips are not above his knees, but if you put that cushion beneath you, yeah? Boom, just like that, hips above the knees, right? If you're sitting in a chair, if you're sitting in a chair, you don't want really, you don't want arms on the chair, right? Because you just want to be free there, yeah. The other, the other piece is three points of contact, what Linda, Linda said, three points of contact. So you want to think of a tripod. So you want your sitting bones and then your knees. And you want your knees to be supported. So Linda has like right on the verge of like a floating knee on the right. So we call this a floating knee. So if you have a floating knee, what do you do? Put something under. You put something underneath it. Boom, like that. So this is, this is the foundation. This is a lower trunk foundation. Hips above your knees, three points of contact. You want your spine to be straight. There's an energetic aspect, right? The winds and channels. So you want the energetic aspect. So you want your spine to be straight. So the chakras and all that stuff are in line as well. And then for the upper chest, we want to bring our arms out to the side. You can do this with me if you want. Yeah, thumbs up in the air. Yeah. Don't hit your partner next to you there. And then bringing the arms back down. <laughs> and onto your, on, onto your thighs. You feel that openness in the chest? Mm -hmm. That openness allows that natural curve of the spine to, to appear, right? And you know, from there you, could, you can move your hands, but you want to keep that openness. Keep that openness. And then the final piece is to have the head <coughs> balance on the spine. Yeah, usually what's going to happen is the chin's going to slightly tuck forward on that. Yeah. There we go. You could also use a bench, like Linda has a bench, um, and you could just, you know, tuck in. You could sit on a bench or a cushion and then tuck your feet underneath as well, right? So you want to be aware of your posture. So again, when we're held up by our skeleton, we're not thinking of body anymore. Yeah, so we could just focus entirely on the mind. Okay. So... Step one, study, contemplation, practice, right? Things that get you to the cushion, right? Intention, to free ourselves from suffering. Three is to, to bring in the heart practice. This is gonna help soften the mind. Four, correct posture. So five is what I kind of started with. This is the introduction to the mind and then the six, we're gonna go through the actual practices and stuff. You guys getting tired yet? Too many steps. <laughs> um, okay, so to reiterate, not too loose, not too tight. So as you go into the practice, this is the most, one of the most important aspects of the practice is the moment your, your butt hit, hits a cushion. You want to come into the practice and you want to check in with your quality of mind, like right away. And you want to make sure, am I coming into the practice, am I dull or am I agitated? Am I dull or agitated? We're usually going to move into one or the other. And I'm going to do this kind of a rare Tibetan practice with you when we get to that. Actually, I could do it now. 
I'll do it now. All right. So when we have the hindrances, which there's usually five hindrances, but the two major hindrances are a dull mind and an agitated mind. Usually you know what you are. How many people get sleepy during meditation? How many people are sleepy people? I'm a sleepy person. So like I, I move towards that. You know, how many people are agitated? Like have high rev minds. High rev minds. Okay, cool. So yeah, some people I work with, I have this one person I do one-on-ones with, and it could be eight, nine o'clock at night, and she'll just like be rah. <laughs> like, I would be like, like conked out, right? So we want to know what, where we kind of live, and so we want to have the practices in place to either calm down or bring us up, right? All right. So this is a fairly unique practice, but let me know. I don't think I've ever taught it here, actually. So let me know how it fits for you. So go ahead and allow your eyes to close. It's, a very, it's very short. So again, you sit down to meditate. Let's say you have dull mind, like you're sleepy. If you feel this, this slothfulness of mind arising, you could visualize a lotus flower in your heart center. And this lotus flower is bright white. Very, very bright. Almost luminous, glowing. And on this white lotus flower, bright lights appear. Bright white lights appear. Almost like dew drops on the lotus flower. And they begin to lift off the lotus flower. And you can visualize yourself more as an energy body. And moving up through the center of your being through to your crown center. So little bright white lights are floating upwards, almost like stars. And they're going up and dissipating at the crown center, so at the very top of your head, floating upwards nice and slowly, bright lights, these little stars. They're very small, like a grain of rice. Very small. Floating upwards. And you're feeling your energy brighten. And you could also, with your posture, make sure your, your posture is upright as you do this. And you feel your being being brightened.
and then trying the next practice. So the next practice is when you're feeling too revved up and your mind is too agitated. In your heart center, this lotus flower is facing downward and it is a deep navy, almost black. It's like nighttime. So it, a navy blue, black. So very, very deep nighttime. And sometimes you could do like a deep purple if that works for you. And the lotus flower is pointing downwards. And little droplets, almost like pearls, like black pearls, nighttime color, start to drop downward from the lotus in your heart down to the base of your spine. You feel the body getting more and more grounded. The mind is following suit as these droplets continue to go move downwards to the base of your spine, calming the mind as they go. How was that one? Good. A little weird or cool? It's pretty good, huh? I really like that one. Yeah. Any questions on that one? Or pretty self-explanatory? Yeah. We all have different varying degrees of um, the ability to, to visualize. So, you know, feel free to make it your own. But you get the general idea, you know, of, of either grounding or kind of uplifting, right? Yeah, so do what works for you. Yeah. So this is important when we move into the meditation to be totally aware of what we need. So the quality of mind as we move in, say, do I need to brighten my mind? Right, we want to be right in that middle. We want to be alert or relaxed. Like our posture. Our posture is alert. It's regal, but it's also relaxed. Not, not too tight, right? And not too relaxed. We just want to be right in the middle like that. Okay, so we're at the cushion. We've opened our hearts, softened the mind a bit. 
we know the quality of our mind, we're ready to practice, right? When we're looking at Shine practice, it's really important to do short amount of time. So for insight meditation, which we're going to get into, or different types of meditation, longer periods of time is okay. The Tibetans start, start really, really short, like 10 seconds, 15 seconds. One minute, two minutes, three minutes tops. So short time, many times. Fills the cup. Drip by drip fills, fills the cup. Short time, many times. So when we come into the practice, we want the mind to be fresh and sharp. When it starts getting dull, stop. Yeah, this is not, you know, we want to start with um, really, really high focus. This is not a marathon, you know, this is not a long race. This is like a short sprint, right? We're practicing a very specific quality of mind. So usually we, we meditate for 30, let's say we've meditated for 30 minutes, right, when we started here. How many, how many seconds within that 30 minutes were you fully on, on your object? Fully and completely present. I mean, it depends for everybody, yeah? But, but probably in that 30 minutes, you probably were actually on the object for most of us, you know, maybe 1% of the time. I'm joking, I don't know. <laughs> no, give you. Give us all more credit than that. No, but it's it's a very short amount of time that we're actually on the object, right? So if you give yourself too much of that 30 minutes, if you take 30 minutes, I'm going to concentrate for 30 minutes, that's pretty nuts, right? But we're practicing a lot there, right? We're practicing leaving the object. We're practicing mindfulness, coming back, all of that. So fantastic to do the, the longer meditations, yeah? But when we're developing concentration, short amount of time. Right, short amount of time. Yeah, so we'll do a practice today. I think we have a Buddha back there, no? Mm -hmm. We could bring that up, yeah. So the objects, yeah, we'll bring that up eventually. Up or? No, it's okay. Thank you. Um, the objects, what's the best object to start with for concentration? What's breath. that? Breath. That's the second one. Okay. <laughs> it's funny how we usually start with that these days. But what's the best to start with? Posture. Sitting. Who said it? Counting. External objects. External objects. So you want to be in your good posture. I don't know. It's you know I've said this before. I'm not quite sure. Like. External objects have been traditionally taught, so as an object, outside of ourselves be first. Be being that, for one, it's a static, inanimate object. Even our body is moving around, so it, there's a lot of sensations and they're coming or going. So we would consider the body an inner object. The traditional flow is outer object, inner object, no object. And the inner objects have gross and subtle. Outer, inanimate object, inner object, you know, more gross, like the body is a gross object. You know, it's, it's more uh, stable. And then subtle object, the thoughts, emotions, subtle object, and then choiceless awareness, just awareness. 
right? So the outer object, it's really nice because we're used to doing this already, going outward. And then not only that, when we keep our eyes open, there's some stability there. Because what happens when we close our eyes? Mind goes. It usually goes all over the place and goes into daydream and stuff like that. Even if we're looking at the breath and the body, it's more susceptible to moving all around, right? So the, the external object, it's really firm. It's not moving. You keep your eyes there, boom, just placing it right on the object, right? Short time on an outer object. Okay, let's just start, let's just stop there for now and let's do, let's do the practice. Do you guys mind grabbing that and just kind of passing it from person to person? Thank you for coming. Yeah, please come again. Okay, I think this is one of the problems with doing these practices is a situation just like this is sometimes if the group gets too big not everyone could see the object you know so can everyone see this object <laughs> everybody everybody raise your hand if you cannot see this object you cannot see it okay can you can you move to where you can Okay, I'm going to set a timer here. Okay. So how many of you have done the 3-1 meditation with me? Yeah. So the 3-1 meditation is three minutes on. So it's a classic concentration practice. Three minutes on the object, one minute resting in open awareness. Three minutes on the object, one minute resting, right? So when we move into the object, we're just placing the eyes there. You're not analyzing. Like, this is a really nice Buddha. Wow, look at the carving on that. How amazing. <laughs> you know, like, analyzing it, yeah? You're just resting the eyes. It could be anything. It doesn't need to be a Buddha, nothing. You're just resting the eyes. Now, you might be saying, do I really look with my left eye or my right eye? Or do I look here or do I look there? Do I look there? It doesn't matter. You know, you're just focusing your eyes. Even if your eyes kind of float around it, that's fine too, you know. You are blinking when you need to blink. I've had that before happen. People are like, oh, I'm not blinking. Um, you might have some weird visual things happening. Okay, so I'm going to time it. We don't have a... I might only do three minutes. We might do two sessions. Okay. All right, not too loose, not too tight. All right, everyone looking good. So eyes open, three, two, one.
Okay, and release, and <coughs> go ahead and stop the meditation. All right, how was that one? Good times. <laughs> how was the mind? That beautiful, beautiful mind. I was staring at it. It looked like it was starting to move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there'll be some pretty crazy little visual things <laughs> that could happen when you're looking at it. So this is common. It'll do stuff. Anyone else have kind of funny visual things going on? Mm -hmm. That's okay. Just stay with it. Yeah. Anyone else want to share how their experience was? Three minutes felt very long. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's very long. The first three, you know, the first three seconds, fine. But and started having, you know visual weirdness and then before I knew it there was lots of racket in the back of my head yeah and it's over it's over it's over right <laughs> right <laughs> Casey pay attention you've missed the three minutes <laughs> right anyone else felt like three minutes was long yeah I noticed I have an attachment to meditating with my eyes closed mm -hmm. like I have a definite preference oh right yeah yeah it's another one Mm-hmm. So, it doesn't matter what we're focusing on, this is a really important, that without this practice, this is, this is the foundational practice, right? So, without this shine, without the calm abiding, without the, the, the ability to choose, you know, for one, what you want to think about, what you don't want to think about. And the ability to be able to have sustained voluntary attention on an object, it doesn't matter what technique you're doing. If you're doing a body-based practice, if you're doing a heart-based practice, if you're doing insight, vipassana practice, without this, it doesn't matter. So three minutes was hard for the statue, so it's going to be probably even more hard once we close our eyes and go inward. <coughs> Right, so it's really important to have a part of your practice with just like this intensity. It doesn't need to be, you know, obviously your full practice. So what I what I like to do with concentration training is do three rounds of this. Do three rounds. So it's it's a twelve minute practice. And how it works, you do three minutes on and the timer goes off and you just rest a minute ish. Right? You don't have to reset the timer. You just rest choiceless awareness, you're just resting. Give your mind a break, let it reset itself, hit the timer again. And do that two more times, so we'll do that, you know, three times total. It's 90 minutes of concentration. It's gonna feel hard, but what's cool about it is you're also gonna feel improvement. Now, if you have a hard time getting to the cushion, go back to step one, study contemplating studying, contemplating, right, and in practice, right? And so how this works up to this point, you know, it took us a while to get through it, but it could be really simple, right? 
So you have your study contemplation, that's what you're already doing, right? You come sit down and practice, set, set your intention, may attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings, right? To free myself and all beings from suffering. You go into the heart, may saints and sages of all times and all religions please bless me with your presence and please help me remove any obscurations between the realization of where I am now and the realization of my true nature. So be very simple and universal like this. Then you go into your, your posture. As you get into your posture and ready to meditate, you check in with the mind. And you look, does it need some brightening before you start? Does it need some brightening? If it does, do so. Does it need to calm down a little bit? If it does, do so. And then boom, you go into your practice. Quick, you know, like that. So you could do this, you know, as part of your daily practice. Um, okay, so... We have more time. I'm on the going to groups. Do you always want to go into groups, or do you want me to talk about a couple more other things? Huh? Please talk. Talk. Okay. No one's ever told me that. Like, keep talking. Oh, right. you're just like, oh, that's enough. Okay. So the quality of mind is going to get better. These two factors really help with the hindrances. So. When we sit down to meditate, those things that are jumbling all around, right, um, can be helped by, by two, two different practices. One, the more that we do the heart practices, the more our compassion arises, the more that we, that we don't have a distinction between self and others, yeah, the less debris in the mind we have when we sit down to concentrate, right? So the other aspect of this is that the more we do our heart practices, we could do, those of you familiar with either metta, loving kindness practice, tonglen, you know, the Tibetan practice of giving and receiving. Um, any one of these heart-based practices, it could be more devotional if you're that type. <clears throat> Sending just you know, love and compassion to all beings. Those things are gonna allow the, the selfishness to be diluted which is the most cause for our suffering, right? And the debris in our mind. So this is huge. Like the heart practice, this is why heartfulness, mindfulness, all of it goes together. The compassion wing and the wisdom ring, wing all go together, right? The second piece of this is what we call vipassana or insight meditation. And I'm going to read something because it's just really clearly to understand the difference between the two. <coughs> Samatha can be translated as concentration or tranquility. It is a state in which the mind is brought to rest, focused only on one item and not allowed to wander. In Vipassana meditation, the meditator uses his concentration or her concentration as a tool by which the awareness can chip away at the wall of illusion that cuts one off from, living, from the living light of reality or we could say truth, right? So Vipassana is when we, when we place the mind to any part of phenomena, ourselves, right? We turn the mind on the mind. And it's a tool by which we could, this awareness can chip away at the wall of illusion that cuts one off from the living light of reality or from truth. So this insight is just like this. We're seeing the insight 
So this is, this is the opposite of ignorance. So we said attachment, attachment, aversion, and ignorance. So insight's the opposite. Insight is seeing truth for what it is. And what are we seeing the truth of? We're seeing the truth of impermanence, interdependence, and non-self or emptiness. Yeah? So we're seeing the truth. So this is the insight. Like even if we get an insight of impermanence, like a true insight of impermanence, this is huge, huge, an experiential hit of impermanence. This, this really, really changes the way that we experience our reality. Yeah, relieves a lot of suffering. When we're with the river, <laughs> when we're flowing with it, all is well. Because this river's flowing. <laughs> but we, we're like, stay put. No, you go away. No, you stay. No, you go away. Attachment and aversion. You stay, you go away. That's the attachment and aversion. The wisdom piece, the, the, this insight is like, oh, this is how it is. I don't, need to, I don't need to have this stay or this go. I'm okay. You know? Yeah. And you talked about the experiential hit of it. Yes. So does that come as a feeling or as a thought? Neither. It, it's um, the feeling and thought can maybe arise out of that experience, mm -hmm. but the, the true the true experience would um, would be um, yeah just the experience of it. Um, trying to think like like, like knowing. Yeah, like like a, like a knowing. Like a wave of knowing. Like a knowing. It's just it's just it's like this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, um, yeah, it's just more of the, the the knowing piece, yeah. It's like it's like this, yeah. It's just like someone turns a light on, and you're like, you know, it doesn't have to be anything special. It's like, is the Buddha there? You say, yeah, the Buddha's there. It's like that. It doesn't need to have like a uh, an epiphany of like feeling and all that stuff. It's like, oh, it's just like that. Yeah. But again, those could arise out of that, and you know, thoughts and emotions often arise out of that experience, you know? Yeah. Okay, any other questions? How often would you suggest the concentration practice? Um, once a day. Say like maybe twice a week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you have one day checked off already. Like today, yeah, check. Yeah. I mean, that's my hesitation is that I don't really like to have requirements because it's like, you know, the best meditation is the one that you do. If you do a one-minute meditation, a one-breath meditation, then awesome, you know. And we don't know how much time we have, you know. And this is like this is like a pillar of our practice. So one of the things that gets us to the practice is to keep it fun and don't make it shame or guilt or something like that. Like, make it something you want to do. And it takes effort to get to that point where you want to do it. You know, to get to overthrow the mind and not just sit in our hindrances the whole time, but to really feel that sense of peacefulness and calm. Like, we really do need to, like, power through. This is why the, I like this, like, I name this talk, the concentration barrier. 
because I feel like so many of us do half-assed meditation for a long period of time. Like I know I did it for about 10 years. A good first 10 years of my practice was pretty half-assed. You know, I was doing it, I was checking it off, I was totally into it, and reading books, and da-da-da, and I would sit there, you know, but I really wasn't doing this, like, full-on, you know, to where I felt like I just, at some point, I pushed through. I was like, wow, like, my mind is really trained now, like, I could really point it to where I want, and it, it's very stable, but it took a long time, and it took, like, some inertia, you know, some push to do that. So that's what I invite you to do, is, like, to feel that push so you could feel the mind really break through. And it's just like when you're working out or something, you're doing something new, and you feel like, whoa, I'm improving. And then you get motivated, right? So this practice is very much like this. Because you could really feel the difference. That three minutes, you could, you could feel yourself getting more and more concentrated within that three minutes. And it feels really good to say, look at my mind, it's getting stronger. You can do it on the bus, or you can do it in a boring meeting. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, these ones are you can slip in anywhere. Totally, yeah, and that's actually the final step. Right on time, Krishna. <laughs> the final step um, is actually informal practice. If we have an hour of meditation a day, and our mind's crazy monkey mind for 23 hours out of the day, when we come back to the practice it's going to be all over the place still, right? So the more that you could bring your mindful attention, your wakefulness into every waking moment, this, the better it's going to be, right? So what's a, what's a good way to do that? What's a good way just to start a, like your informal practice? Keep coming back. Like that helps me a lot, just that phrase that you say, just keep coming back, coming back. Mm -hmm. Like the present moment. Yeah. And what's a good way to keep coming back to the present moment? What's a good little trick? Breath. Yep. Breath is great because your breath is always with you. Yeah. During transitions during the day? Transitions. Mm. I love transitions. Those are free transitions from your, your, car, your house door to your car. From your car into the office. From your desk to the bathroom at work. From your, from your favorite chair in your house to your refrigerator. You know, back to the couch. <laughs> back to the refrigerator. Back to the refrigerator. <laughs> you know, but transitions, going into the restaurant, waiting in line. I love waiting in line. Oh, it's my favorite meta practice. Waiting for my burrito. Meta to all beans. Love waiting in line. Love that. All Stopped beans. in traffic. Huh? I thought you said all beans. All no. beans. Yeah. I love that when I do like when I do all the beans. translation, you know, the on the phone, it's always like all beans. When I say may all beans be happy, uh, it's always translated. To beans. To beans. May all black beans, beans. pinto beans. <laughs> all types of beans. So transitions. What's another one? Timers. Yep, timers. Mm. Set a timer. So, eating, good one. Washing dishes, mm -hmm. brushing your teeth, taking a shower. But here's the main point, is that pick one. Pick one, so pick taking a shower and take a shower mindfully. Pick brushing your teeth, washing the dishes, 
or pick one of those transitions, just one, just pick one to begin with and do it over and over again, like 30 days. Every single time you brush your teeth, be mindful. And so you start to tie in informal practices throughout the day and then add another one, right? Then add another one. And that way you could just start to tie it in. Yeah. All right. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.